Let's spread a song so you can sing along with my special guest star for two. You like to sing and dance, and this podcast by chance explores musicals for you. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song's Second Chance Theater, where we recover a topic but with a new guest. I'm your host, John, and with me today is returning guest and bestie of the pod, Derek Speedy, everyone! Woo! Yay! The crowd goes And today we're here to talk about one of my favorite movie musical movies the last the five last years. five years oh okay okay <laughs> i think was off on that one and we're keeping i it. know it's all right we're gonna keep it please well, uh, well it's perfect because you know those two people in that movie aren't in sync either there's something off about that so i knew you uh, were gonna say that i mm-hmm, knew mm-hmm. you were gonna justify it um so the last five years came out in 2014 previously we've covered this as episode 115 with matt gainey and dc aka matt graney aka matt graney yes yes call callbacks uh d speeds this wasn't if memory serves, this wasn't part of like your original list. Like the last time you came back for Second Chance with my musical, you were like, I really wanted to do that one. But if memory serves, this wasn't on your list, any list that you gave me, right? I, I don't think it was. I think you're okay. right. So then why did you want to recover this topic? Well, uh oh. I don't know if am I allowed am I allowed to talk about the event that we did for your birthday? Will that will that have been out at this point? No, but yes, well we can talk about it because I publicized it everywhere. Fantastic. Well, we got to do this incredible event for John's uh Bobby birthday, his yeah. 35th birthday, where we got to sing from something that we uh that we we recorded. So, you know, I just wanted a chance to sing last five years, so that's gotta be the reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> if I if I happen to be invited back. Okay. Okay. No, but like, is there, I mean, have you played uh, Jamie before or? John, I went to Catholic high school. Of course not. Of course I've never played Jamie. I didn't know in college if there was. No, I know. I know you're saying. But I think because of that, I think it it is one of those shows that I I so grew up with that I, the movie had never crossed my mind. I'd seen it and I really enjoyed it, but it, it wasn't on my list from the beginning. I don't know why. And then I saw that you had already done them. I was going through, like, because you asked me to do a second chance, and I was going through what they had, and I was like, oh, I'd love to talk about last five years. And I hadn't listened to the episode yet. I'm so sorry, Matt and and John. Um, But in listening back to the episode for this, I realized how many thoughts I have about this show. Oh, okay. About the show, about this movie, about all of it. So um, I think think this is going to be a very good discussion. So where do you want to begin? Where to begin? I want to begin by I, I think setting up my thesis. Okay. Which is uh, I'm 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 gonna go a little on the other side of the coin from something that Matt said near the end of the episode. Okay. And I think it was his hottest take. He said that this musical works best as a film. I want to push back on that mostly. I do think I really enjoy this film. I think this show best exists as a piece of theater. And I think that this is an interesting discussion too, because I was thinking back to the Mamma Mia episode that I, that I did with you. I blocked that out, but let's keep going. (laughs) You blocked out most of the episodes I've made you watch. Uh Uh-huh. Or movies I've made you watch. 
219 um, episodes, D-Speeds. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> but at this point, so the thing is, is I never felt that strongly about, you know, stage versus screen with something like Mamma Mia. And most of the stuff we've talked about, too, has been stuff that was originally written for the movie. So Heartbeats Loud was written for the movie. Sing Street. Sing Street was written for the movie. My Musical even was written for that show. SpongeBob was written as a movie. The music was written yeah. for the movie. So this this is only really the second time we're talking about music, movie musical adaptation. And I think Mamma Mia had elaborate set pieces and things like that on the Broadway production. And I think it really was just elevated by having physical locations. Okay. And I think my biggest issue with making a film out of something like last five years, where for the most part, it's really just like, in my head, it's like in a black box. And it's Mm. so much left up to the imagination. And so many things that you and Matt talked about, you know, gender swapping, um, having this as a same-sex couple, having this um, as a flip a coin and and whatever, all all of these opportunities, I think only exist if the show is a piece of theater. I think once you put it into a film, you've made a lot of fixed decisions. And I think this show, as written, is meant to be open to interpretation. And I think that with this film, they made a lot of really beautiful, clever awesome decisions things that i i literally wrote down and i went wow that was brilliant or wow that was so clever and so i again i think as a film it's a very good film but i think the show is meant to be adaptable and expandable and changeable and i think they were so specific with their decisions in this film that i think it kind of not ruins i don't want to say ruins but i think changes the magic and the flexibility of this show and that's my long thesis statement i think that i want to kind of go into today i can kind of see your point because like now there are things that they've done in the movie that audiences who go see a more recent production or whatever are going to expect certain things and that is also Mm. from guys and dolls a little shop you know the the adelaide audrey of it all where they want that voice and like, I mean, yes, it's it's not to say that that's what's potentially going to happen with the last five years, but I could see your point where they're like, they want to see, you know, time through other avenues. And we did talk about it on the first chance where it was like, you have the, um, the, the season for the Ohio uh, Summer Theater, or you have like uh, uh, Kathy's Dress, um, where in the Shmuel song, it's on the dress form. And then in, uh, fuck, what's the name of that song? The next 10 minutes, uh, she's wearing it. And like, obviously that's time and months have passed, maybe a year or so. So I could see that, but I can also see this as its own entity. And mm-hmm. like, I still feel like not a lot of people know about this movie, which that's is unfortunate. Fair. It is un- It is unfortunate. Um, and I think you're right. I think because a lot I, listening to you in mass conversation is that it, it's listed as a romantic movie. It is not. <laughs> and actually, no. I will say, so I think the difference between the stage version and I was listening to a couple, I was listening to the Betsy Wolf and Adam Cantor, which I saw. Mm-hmm. I saw that at second stage. It was so good. Um, also, by the way, just I love that Jeremy Jordan during Moving Too Fast, one of the, the bike scenes, he's biking past second stage theater very specifically. Oh, I didn't pick up on that. 
which I thought I, was really cool. I did pick up on the furniture this time around. What kind of about? fucking psychopath has the bed in the middle of the fucking well, bedroom? Okay. Oh, very aggressive. So there was that, but then also in the same song, we go into the living room and the couch is not by a wall either. And I feel like both of those moments are purely for blocking reasons. Like, I don't think this is like a real place because I don't think anyone actually does this. But I think for the purpose of the film and because they were using pre-existing structures, not a film set or anything, they had to work around certain things. So I think that's also one of the... Again, I don't want to say issues because I really do like this film and I think they did a beautiful job. Everyone involved, um, from the way they conceived it to the performances, truly, like I do enjoy this film. But I think there's something that seemed awry to me where it didn't decide if it wanted to be theatrical or if it wanted to be super realistic. Yes. And I think when it was successful, it was it was straying away from the theater of it all. And it actually was making the decision to be super realistic, specifically in how everything is sung to the other person. Absolutely. Mm. Like really everything, for, not everything, but for the most part, things are actually sung from Jamie to Kathy or Kathy to Jamie. Whereas the way I picture a lot of the theater show is almost soliloquies to the audience, particularly yeah. Still Hurting, particularly Shiksa Goddess. I think those are the, that's the biggest change is that where they actually start the story in the synopses that I read and the way that I originally conceived listening to the show is that Shiksa Goddess and Goodbye Until Tomorrow are right after their first date. Oh, okay. And it's See. after they've left the first date. Whereas I think in the movie, it's actually the first time they say, I love you. So they're already starting in the middle of their relationship as opposed to starting right at the beginning of the first date. That's how I'm reading it. Because how I, I, how I read sorry, it this time it. around, sorry to interrupt you. How I read it this time around, though, is that I think it's more relying on Kathy. Yes, and the absolutely. Because Kathy is the one that starts it. And I think Goodbye Until Tomorrow is supposed to be their first date. But then he's, but he's wearing the same clothes that he that oh, he, he finished. Sh- he's wearing the oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah t shirt, okay. which nobody would ever wear. Even even me who loves wearing those clothes. <laughs> um, but he, the he's only wearing other, the exact same clothes. The only other reason why I think that they are telling this through Kathy's point of view is because from the beginning, Anna Kendrick gets top billing. I it's saw. Not, I was, was going to say that too. It's not their equal. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, she w- has done a little bit more at this point in film. Um, I think he did Smash and a few other things. But, like, she's already done the Pitch Perfect movies. She's already done... She did Up in the Air. Up in the Air, I was huge. about to say that. Um, she's done a lot of things. So, obviously, she's more of the name. But I feel mm-hmm. like, even in Shiksa Goddess, when he goes through all the women... I think that's just her imagination, not really his. Mm. And so, like, I kind of wish that in Moving Too Fast, there wasn't that little dance moment. because I was going to say the exact same thing. Yeah, I kind of, like, it makes sense in Summer in Ohio for her to have that little dance break because she's in rehearsal and they're justifying it that way. Even though, yes, there is one of the gay chorus boys who are lip syncing in the background. Whatever. Um <laughs> He is. Rewatch that scene. You see one of the go- the gay chorus boys 
lip syncing the lyrics that she's singing. And I'm a little confused as to if it's supposed to be a song in one of the shows that they're doing, mm-hmm. or if he just like forgot that he's in a movie for a hot sec, like the actual actor. <laughs> like Laura forgot. Dern saying pew in the middle of the, the Star yes. Wars film when she shoots. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Things like that. And so you're just like, okay, well, but I still love the movie. I love, like, it's still great. I, I mean, it's, I I agree with I agree with myself and the first chance of it all when I was like you have to psych yourself up to watch this movie. Oh yeah, didn't cry this time. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> I'm I'm proud of you too, John. Well done. Well done. Uh, what else do you have? Okay, so uh, we're talking about the theater of it all. I didn't really mention the last time that um, it premiered in Chicago in 2001. And then moved to off Broadway in 2002 with Sherry Renee Scott and Norbert Leo Butts. Norbert Leo Butts. Norbert Leo Butts. Which the butts. also we love Sherry, the butts. Sherry Renee Scott is a producer on this movie. You literally hit my first two notes. My first two notes were Sherry Renee Scott is an EPA and Anna Kendrick is first build. Those are my first two notes when I started the movie. You're welcome, everyone. Well, you nailed it. The big thing that I think you guys did miss in the okay. line, in the first chance is right. Jason Robert Brown wrote this about his own marriage. Yeah. Yeah. I did. To Teresa O'Neill. Sure. O'Neill is the last name. I don't, I want, I want to, I, I apologize, but I believe it's Teresa. Uh, that's my years. Teresa O'Neill. You're right. Teresa nailed it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a huge thing where, where, sorry, I'm reading on the Wikipedia page that she sued him. So uh, this is I asked you to listen to a song. So it's a song that's oh, on um fuck, I didn't listen to the song. I'm sorry. Fuck, of course you didn't. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry, John. I thought you wanted but, me to listen to the whole album and I listened to the first song and I was like, what is no, I'm oh, done. I'm sorry. No, so this is Jason Robert Brown's self-released album. Uh so wearing someone else's clothes. There we go. Okay. A lot of unreleased songs from shows that he did, a lot of songs he can't that maybe just you know he was proud of and one of them was the song i could be in love with someone like you which was the original shiksa goddess so it was originally written in the show and part of me was like okay was it just written and then they liked shiksa goddess better i actually do think shiksa goddess works better for what he's trying to achieve but i could be in some with love with someone like you has a lot of references to kathy being irish catholic and so the story goes, again, this is from Wikipedia, so we will have to maybe further fact check it. But the story goes that Ms. O'Neill sued Jason Robert Brown over um, their non-disparagement agreement and their non-disclosure act of their, of their um, divorce and that it was violating that. And so in order to reach a settlement, he erased any reference of her being Irish Catholic and had to rewrite I Could Be In Love With Someone Like You to... Um, Shiksa Goddess, because it starts with uh, in third grade, my first crush on an Irish girl, and her name was Elaine. And he, the whole thing is like, bring me back to Glockamora, like all these things, like all these references to to Ireland, and oh, basically being like, I'm in love with this Irish girl. And so anything that was too closely related to her was removed. Um, but I think Shiksa Goddess actually works better because it immediately talks, it, 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 it saves that I could be in love with someone like you for the exact end. Yes, because I was about to say that is a l- actual lyric. 
Mm-hmm. And it's something that comes back again in nobody needs to know. Since I need to be in love with someone, maybe I could be in love with someone like someone you. Like you, yeah. Hmm. But he, he twists it. He twisted it then. Mm-hmm. Instead of being like, I could be in love with somebody like you, my partner, the person I'm about to marry. It's I could be in love with somebody like you because I don't love my wife anymore. And so I think that's also a really interesting change in the movie. Again, why I think that it's not their first date. I think they're already too intimate and it's the middle of the day for them to be hooking up, which again, you know, to each their own. It, no could, judgment. Be, it could be Sunday after brunch. It These could be beans. Sunday after a, a first hinge date, brunch date. Yes. Absolutely. A coffee date. But I think it's I think it's him because of that last line telling her I love you for the first time, which I think is really beautiful and works for the movie. But in the stage musical, I think it's him telling the audience how he met this girl. And he goes, oh, shit, I think I know I just met her, but I think I'm done. And so I think I think that just starts it off in a different way where I think what was hard for me with the fact that these are all monologues. And there were some really cute interspersions. You guys talked about, like, what is going on here? I've never been more attracted <laughs> to you. And, and, and um, see, I'm smiling when he explicitly starts interrupting her and she interrupts him in song. You see that and, and it really grounds all that. I think what's hard for me, though, is that not having the other person talk for so long for so many of these songs that I feel like I'm not getting a lot of their interaction. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I felt like in this movie, I didn't, I didn't really see them in love with one each uh, one another. I don't think I ever felt like I saw where the relationship was good. Hmm. Or not good. I think I saw where it was good, but I never really saw where it was truly solid. And I think this is, uh, I think there's a trap of this show where it's the first half is Jamie's happy. The second half is Jamie's sad. The first half is Kathy's sad. The second half is Jamie is Kathy's happy. That was really hard to <laughs> get together. And, you know, just making it black and white like that doesn't really work. But even in some of the the happier moments for for Kathy or for Jamie, you see the other person kind of give a raised eyebrow or a look or something that shows it's not all perfect. It's not not all peachy keen that it was broken from the beginning. They were maybe never going to fully end up. They were never going to fully end their lives together. And I liked that. I thought it was a little more complicated, a little more nuanced. I think a lot of it came from Anna Kendrick, because again, I do agree with you. I think that the stage musical kind of puts them on equal footing. And I actually think often favors Jamie. Interesting. Okay. And that might be personally, because I'm a tenor, (laughs) that I enjoy singing Jamie's songs. But I think that his songs have a little more dynamic to them. And I, especially starting the show with Still Hurting is such a challenge for any actor. And I think when you're just listening to it, sometimes it can lean into the emotion of it all, which is it's, it's such an emotional song and it's such a heavy, high place to start a show. But I think it can come off sometimes a little pleading or maybe a little just a little distressed. Whereas I loved how Anna started it with, which is just almost like shock and processing it and to herself. And see, earlier you said something about how um, the movie wasn't sure if it wanted to be um, cinematic or theatrical, but I feel like there are moments where it is very theatrical and that is because the camera is so still at points Mm -hmm. or 
they're not afraid to just show nothing that really matters. You know, like in the beginning when it starts off and we're just staring at the brownstone and then it goes up to the third floor and down to the first floor. It's like, I don't, we don't really, that's not really important to this story, but like, it's a little bit world building. It is a little theatrical in a way where like, it pays homage to the stage version where it's just them on stage. Yeah. No, no, but I do like that. It starts with like, you see these different people. I think you see a woman knitting. See like a woman watching TV, eating, you see somebody playing piano. Yeah. No, the beginning. Yeah. But then also you see, you see life going on and then all of a sudden people doing something. And then all of a sudden the stillness in the dark Mm -hmm. of Kathy, I thought that was a beautiful touch. You're right. And there's a, there's not a lot of like cuts either. Like, um we've all seen we've all seen like a Baz Luhrmann film where it's just like <laughs> shot, shot 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 where it's all different things happening and then this but like this is the complete opposite of that where it's all long shots and long takes and it's like you are kind of following their psyche and everything but it's like also paying respect to the show where like it is just them on stage and usual, I mean, the one at second stage that I can talk about and you can talk about because we've both seen it, there was no set. They had yeah. chairs and pieces. And like the one thing that comes to mind is I can do better than that, where Kathy's sitting in a car seat, like in a car's seat, not like a, you know, what I'm talking, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> not, not in a, a little child's, not uh... in a child's car seat. <laughs> But like they they took a, car, a a seat out of a out of like a minivan or something, and they used that, and she's talking to nobody. But like we see her talking. I mean, she's pretending like she's talking to Jamie, but like nobody's physically there. And so when they do things like that, and still hurting, and even in her moment in climbing a hill when she's at the audition, and the camera's just like following her around, like oh, when she's talking to herself. Yes. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's yeah, it was so beautiful. it's it, it it's everything that I think like I don't want this to be remade as a movie. Like I think hmm. this is a great capsule of what you can I think do this is the, the definitive film. I think I think yeah, I think they yes. I think they made such specific choices that it, I don't think it really can be remade as a film. And it, but I think this was a show growing up that you were, and you guys, you and Matt already talked about it a little bit of like, who do I want to see play Jamie? Who do I want to see play Kathy? Like who are the dream team of these two? And you would come up with all these different names to to do that you'd want to see, or, you know, I feel like it was a show that people always wanted to do in college. Um, I had a dream for a long time in college or even in, in New York when I first moved here, I really want to do it with somebody who I really trust. And I want us to both direct um each other in it so like they'll direct your scene and you'll direct their scene yep and have a have a cohesive vision but then do do that and for especially for the second stage production i do know that when they staged everything and rehearsed everything they had the other person in the room with them they always rehearsed it and staged it with the other person and then gradually just took the other person out which i thought was interesting that's interesting okay so uh in the first chance i did give a concept that i bleeped out and you texted me to wondering what it was yeah 
I'm gonna let bleep the people know. No, I'm gonna bleep it out, but I'm gonna let you know. Do you oh, you're gonna let me know. Oh, so, so sorry, listeners. So that's what's bleeped. Alrighty. Wow. I think I think that actually asks a good question to me. Is that like, what is this show about? Like, what are the themes of this show? What like, or what is? I guess what is the point of this show? Because again, it doesn't end on a happy note. There's, you know, I mean, I feel like the, you can put this and company in a double bill, and it's great, interesting mm. that they that the company is played at that Ohio Summer Theater because, like, when we talked about company with Jason and Lauren on here, Jason brought up that this was like the first grounded in reality musical company was, and so. I think that's what the last five oh, years. Damn, was. I need to listen to that episode again because I have lots of thoughts on that too. Yeah, but like we, in the last five years is just another one that's a bitch slap in the face to be like this happens, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not all musicals are happy endings where everyone gets what they want. Well, I mean, does Jamie really get what he wants? We don't really. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can't answer that. But like, but for them both to get what they want, they need to move on from each other. Yes. Oh, I hear you. Okay, I hear you. But also, like, it's messy. It's it's mm-hmm. gross. Relationships are hard, and like, one person may succeed, and the other one may be very stagnant in their professional lives. I will say, having him sing "Moving Too Fast," especially that that bridge portion of. Some people can't find success in their art. Some people can't feel love in their heart. Some people can't tell the two things apart. And singing that to her as he's like, I just got a book deal. Like, well, like, and like, you can see, again, where this is supposed to be, where their relationship is really good. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to see them together. You actually see Anna Kendrick be like, uh-huh. Uh-huh, you're kind of an asshole, but I'm, but a good dick. I don't know. <laughs> well, well, that is the thing too. Is I mean, I do think that they really doubled down on Kathy's story, and I, I think we both agree that this seems to be more Kathy's story in the film. And I think looking at the different versions of the the show, I think just the the three big ones: this being the film, the original Norbert Leo Bus, Cherry Renee Scott, and the Adam Cantor Betsy Wolf. This is this is me very much putting things into different pails that does not allow for the nuance that each show definitely has in each production. You're right, yes. But I think particularly just looking at Adam and uh, Norbert Leo Butts, both of them are a little doofier dudes. And watching these doofier dudes kind of get seduced by the power and the success and the fame and the, and the women, I think you see more of a, an arc. And you don't, you don't, you're like, oh, they're never, you would never expect them to get there. But they do. Where hmm. I feel like even from the beginning, I think I like... Again, of course, I know the story, but I think Jeremy Jordan, in a good way, then came in with this energy of like, I'm going to succeed. I'm going to do this. And especially because it starts with this super hot sexual song. <laughs> and like, there's a lot of confidence in what he's saying and doing that you can see that that's going to be his hubris. That's going to be his that's going to be his fatal flaw. You can see from the beginning, I think, which I don't think you feel in the musical version, especially with the two other actors they've hired before. I, but I feel like I feel like you can see, you can see that maybe maybe Jeremy Jordan's Jamie is is susceptible more to these things from the very beginning. And see, yeah. And I, I what I like mo- more about the film than the stage version is that they have a scene partner 
because his first line in the entire show is I'm breaking my mother's heart. And so the longer I stand looking at you. Well, no, the, the literally, but I'm saying that's the first line he says, I'm breaking yeah. my mother's heart. And so to have Anna Kendrick's reaction to that is one thing, yeah. but like in the stage versions, when they're doing asides to the audience, like nobody really picks up on that. And so yeah, I mean, so yeah. I, I here's what I do concede is that I think there's times and I was reading the synopsis where and it said like, oh, in this scene, Kathy comments on and it's like, OK, well, that's not very active. You know, you're commenting on something, you're observing something, you're giving your thoughts on something that's not active. You know, what's the point of the show then? What's it moving towards? What are you trying to achieve? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this is is very active. And I think my argument for the film is sometimes almost too active. Where okay. I feel as though there were some brilliant choices, and then at times I think there were clever choices. And to me, the difference is a brilliant choice was something that illuminated the story for me. One of the things for me that I like as a, I thought was a brilliant choice is the end of the Shmuel song where he lights up the entire apartment. And it's like, that is a romantic comedy moment. But like, I feel like anybody can do that. You know what I mean? It's not, it's a big gesture moment that we see a lot in rom-coms and everything. But like, it's something so simple as like hanging up lights and then timing it just right, you know, to light it all. So I'd say yes, that. And I think even more so, I think Summer in Ohio was fucking brilliant. Was brilliant. And especially them FaceTiming the whole time. I thought was really brilliant, really illuminated, and I think was very um, relatable for anybody mm-hmm. who's been in a long distance relationship. And and unique for the storytelling. Exactly. But I think for Shmuel song, something that to me felt like there was cleverness because it's such a long song and it's very repetitive. They felt like they had to fill moments because now we're on film. When you're on stage, there's a little more air to breathe. There's a little more room for imagination. But when you're on film you need to fill these moments with pictures and juxtaposing pictures that really keep people's attention and really keep people engaged. And so especially in that, that song, there's a lot of Jeremy Jordan be like, that was pretty good, right? You like my accent or like, you like Christmas. And there's a lot of these little asides and these little small things that I felt were meant to take up space because they didn't want the audience to get bored. Whereas I'm not saying the audience may not get bored in the theater, but we allow more of that air. And I think we really hear it when you listen to the soundtracks of Norbert Leo Butts and Sherry Noe Scott and Betsy Wolf and Adam Cantor. There's more focus on the musicality of things. There's more focus on the melody. There's more focus on, you know, just traditional singing. I think specifically the second stage production, you listen to Adam Cantor and Betsy Wolf, they are singing that. They are really singing that and focusing on the beauty of the melody and the notes. And and I think the music speaks more and it makes sense because Jason Robert Brown directed it and probably wanted to, you know, highlight his music. <laughs> Whereas I think the movie focused on the acting and I think at times didn't account for the fact that this is beautiful music. Mm. And I think ran through some things. I didn't hear, I don't hear lyrics the same way because I was focusing on what they were doing with their behavior. And sometimes it became distracting. Sometimes Although, it illuminated the lyrics. Sometimes it, I think, clouded it. 
Although I do have to give them credit because easily for Shmuel song, they could have cut to some random people acting out the story that Jeremy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I have to give them the, the credit to, for the restraint of doing that because I think that would have really hindered it. And it's like, no, we're only here to focus on these two people. Yes. We're in Manhattan, which has, millions of people daily here and on one little island but like this is a a microcosm we're focusing only on these two people and like the few people that surround them mostly jamie's publicist and Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. all the women that he sleeps with three other women or two three three it, it was that was a weird thing to me is that it was the first woman he wakes up in bed with, which is Ashley Spencer. Yes, is that his wife? That was his wife, the receptionist. Yes, is is Jeremy Jordan's wife? Yes, Jeremy Jordan's wife. So that, she goes to the bathroom, and then another woman comes behind him and hugs him from behind. Who I think also works in the books, the the um, not the bookstore. What do I want to say? Oh, no, is she the woman that he's he's um in a miracle would happen? Yeah, well, I show, then, I'm gesticulating with my left hand. Yeah, oh, left yes, hand. yes, I think it's her at the bar. Her. And then the third one is his agent, Elise. The third one's his agent, and I. Oh, yes, and then it makes more sense too because she's the only one who comes back. Yeah, and, she, and so she I think the idea the, is that he's moving on with her. She's the one that cries for whatever reason. Yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, that was a little overdramatic to me. But like that—that's another one where, like, cinematically. It was beautifully done because it's a long take. Oh, that. And yeah. it's like you have girl number two goes to the bathroom. Jeremy Jordan comes out into the living room. We see Kathy there and she's stunned. And then he goes back to the bedroom and there's Elise comes in. And you're like, that's one long. Yeah, it was shot. beautiful. Now, is- and, and again, that's a theatrical use of the of cinematic media and I meet the, the medium that is film. And I think that's that's beautiful and that was really successful but like adding in the people and moving too fast following him around and then turning into a dance break that that was theatrical for the sake of being theatrical not even actually really using you know they're using the camera in that long take they're using this technique to make a theatrical moment a, a dramatically theatrical moment whereas there were some things that just felt added in and so that's why I think it's not a fully cohesive concept to me. Again, are we focusing on realism with expressionistic theatrical moments? Or is this a theater piece that we're putting on film? Mm, I see. I see you. I see that. I mean, I just, that moment that you just talked about in Moving Too Fast, I justify as like, it's great news. I want to sing and dance in the streets, you know? But, like, mm. I always want to sing and... I personally always want to sing and dance. But I think him singing and dancing would have made sense to me. Having other people joining him didn't... But I guess it's the idea, too. It's like, oh, everything's going my way. Right. Everyone's following... Every, the whole world is in sync with me. I guess I kind of understand. It just it didn't feel right. Yeah, it it, it was weak. It was weak. What else did you want to talk about? Uh, did we miss anything else in the first chance? I think again, a lot of it was kind of more to me, where it's like, where, where do you, where do you land? Whose story is it? Where do you side? And I think you and Matt talked a little bit about perspective, and I feel like 
that's that was one other thought I had with the the medium of film is maybe they could have done a little more with the camera where are there moments that they're singing into the camera the camera's the other person right I don't know I that's like that's experiment that's like maybe wouldn't have worked I don't know but just using the camera and I think there were really beautiful times they were smart with it and then there were times where even in um, see I'm smiling there's this weird shot where you see just Jeremy Jordan's like right arm and like it's shooting up at Kathy in the in the background and that didn't make sense to me that was like a weird shot that I was like you're just doing something to add movement in a, something that's a very still scene but on the counterpoint of that something they did very well was if I didn't believe in you and this is I think to me what solidified they decided this was Kathy's story was if I didn't believe in you, Jeremy Jordan's in the background most of the time. Yes. And 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 Anna Kendrick's in the in the foreground. And it's also focused on her um reaction to him. And so I thought that was really, really cool that actually it made his song about her and about her reaction. And I think that was really smart and really clever. And I think they put a little more effort because I do think that Jamie's songs are often more dynamic lyrically and just in the musical in the musicality of their songs they're the so i think jamie's songs are the songs that you are the earworms the ones you get stuck in your head leaving oh see i relate to kathy oh really mm-hmm. i don't know just the melody the melodies of shiksa goddess or moving on or if i didn't believe in you are get stuck in my head whereas some in ohio is probably my favorite sequence of the entire show but it's not the the as written isn't necessarily what sticks in my head and so i feel like they put a lot of effort in really elevating kathy's sequences in this film mm. um in a good way and i think i think it really um really illuminated a lot of things on her storyline to me so I, me, I do give them a lot of credit for that for me it's all about i could do better than that oh that was so well done i lost my mind when i saw sherry uh no not Sherry Renee Scott. When I saw Betsy Wolf. Betsy Wolf, thank you. <laughs> when I saw Betsy Wolf do it, because like Betsy Wolf is a belter. And so at the end, she opted up and she is belting those notes and everything. And so if we're talking about like a gender swap or like a same sex couple of it, I would love to play Kathy in those. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, we can change the name to Matt or Matthew. And I tried, I actually, watching this, I tried to figure it out. Maddie, Maddie's a good one. Maddie, yes. Um, Again, to compare it to Company, in the recent revival where they gender-swapped Bobby and a a couple other characters, like, they made Amy Jamie. And so I was Mm -hmm. like, okay, so we have Kathy, Maddie. Maddie's a really good one. I was was trying to think of some, too, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I was like, Callie? Caddy? No, that's not right. That's not but work. but like the thing is, Jamie can work for Jamie. Yeah, exactly. I think I so I did I did I did a little thought experiment. I really liked the call of Ariana DeBose as, as um as Jamie. Yeah. And I think the the Kathy for me would be uh Stephanie Shu from Everything Everywhere All at Once. She was in yes. um she's uh, in Be More uh, Chill, uh-huh. SpongeBob SquarePants. I, I would I think she's fucking brilliant and i would love to see her as kathy i don't i don't know her 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 vocal background it's a tough sing but i i think she could pull it off and if we were going to do the the non-musical rom-com version of it and let's you know let's reverse back to 2014 and maybe a little 
earlier so they can be a little younger. Um, Adam Driver and Zoe Kazan. Zoe Kazan, how do I know her? Big Sick. Um, what if she was in Ballad of Buster Scruggs? She was just, just in She Said. Okay. Okay. I feel like to me she's kind of become the indie. Um... Oh, she was in Ruby Sparks. Okay. Ooh, Paul Dano and 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 Zoe Kazan doing Jamie and Kathy, a la Ruby Sparks would be really good too. Kind of like as an A twenty four indie film. Oh, I know her. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. She's brilliant. Oh, she's so good. But Adam yeah. Driver as Jamie would be so good. That might be a little close to Marriage Story, but so is Marriage Story to the last five years. D speeds. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get into Sharp and Flat? One last thought: the time swapping. I think it's such an important part of the show, and I think it's the reason the show exists. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily know if I have any um, new thoughts on it, but just I think that that's a really important aspect of this show that I do think the film does very well, like you said, orienting us with the, the summer stock theater through costume. A lot of these things are very helpful with that. Through costume, meaning like, just Kathy's dress because when is it supposed to be 20 2009 to 20 2009 to 2014 or 2008 no, 2008 to 2013 yeah okay so if those are the five years fashion is whatever like it, it's not like 80s to 90s or like yeah. 70s to 80s yeah, yeah. Or it's very distinct like this is this year this is this year I feel like costume wise it's difficult to tell the story because there's no like distinct years in between. But I thought you and Matt brought up a really good point of like the they were wearing brighter colors when yes. they were, you know, when the relationship was more solid or at least at the start of the relationship and there was a bright future. Uh-huh. Um and then when when things were coming to an end you could see them both changing the, and it also works with them getting older, you know, sometimes you like I don't know, you it's feel your wardrobe. Jamie thinking he's getting more serious, you know, he has to wear like the dark, the black, the black shirt and slick his hair back. And I love that he only wrote one book. <laughs> and apparently and it, it was, it, it was on the, uh, it was number one bestseller for like 60 weeks or something like that. So like for a year, he's just writing the coattails of this one book he wrote. Yeah. No. And it's like, you know, is he, is that going to, is there going to be a fall from grace and things like that? And is he going to be the uh, next Harper Lee or whatever? I feel like him re- him doing his reading where he's talking about like swimming laps in a pool. I was like, oh, it's a Robert Langdon novel. It's Da Vinci Code. <laughs> um, do you want to... Uh, so you set your thesis at the beginning. Do you have a conclusion before we get to Sharp and Flat? How do you feel about this movie now that you've talked about it with somebody? For a podcast? Now that, now that we've, we've talked about it, I really do think that the movie was illuminating. And say what we will about the, the, the Les Miserables movie. I feel like I had a similar sensation where I was like, oh, I had a different picture in my head, but this makes more sense. Okay, yes. So I had a lot of moments like that. I think that it still works better as a theater piece because I think it involves more imagination from the audience. And I think it was written as a theater piece and I think it still exists in its strongest form as a theater piece. Okay, let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Sharp Flat.
So in this section, we're going to highlight some moments, whether or not we talked about it. If we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it or thought it could change, it's flat. And because it's a second chance theater, I get to revisit my old ones and see if I've changed my mind. Huzzah! 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 So D-Speeds, the floor is yours. What do you want to start with? I think the biggest one would be just totally jumping in on your fan fest of Anna Kendrick. I think she absolutely nailed what is such a tricky role, especially getting people on your side from the beginning when it's you crying alone in a room. Yes. And you have no idea why. Yeah. And I think that she immediately, again, why it became Kathy's story in this version, I think was, was so due to her performance. And she, she really just had a very nice, subtle performance that was beautifully sung, beautifully acted. And my heart broke for her in ways that sometimes when I've seen the show, it, it, it doesn't. Hmm. I mean, yes, I agree with you. Uh, any other sharps? Oh, I mean, again, there, there were, there are some brilliant moments that just opened up what this was and, and showed beautiful relationship between the two of them. Sometimes a broken relationship, but at least just moments that were active and, um, involved between the two of them that you don't get in the stage show. So I, I really, really loved getting to see that, not just in my imagination, but but put out in front of me on film. And also, <laughs> I literally wrote during Six of Goddess, this is so hot. <laughs> is that um, when they were having sex or? Which goes on for a long time. <laughs> it does. I mean, also... It's so interesting because, like, in every version of it, the name Lisa Katz gets some <laughs> Lisa Katz, yeah, weird inflection on it. And in this one, she's hitting a bong, and then they fist bump. Like, yeah, <laughs> Lisa Katz. Like that. That's that was brilliant. I that that was a moment of brilliance that that what you were saying before. I think I also I want to shout out. I don't think we shouted out t- uh, last ten minutes. I like seeing him because that's the thing is I feel like in the in the stage show it's such a bigger moment when you see the two of them on stage together. That's insane. Like that it's it's something you've been waiting thirty forty five minutes to happen, and then it's, it is forty five minutes in. I, exactly. I mean, at least for the movie, I can't really, the show's probably around 40, 45 minutes as well. Yeah. So I, I think that was really important and really, and really important to the stage show. And it was, it's hard to translate to film. And at first I didn't like the handholding, but then I, but I did, I, I think they, I think they did it the only way they could. And I think they did a very beautiful job. But in that, in that song, my favorite point is watching both of them build up the courage to either ask the other person or say yes, that it was, they both, they both wanted this thing. So how do you make tension in it? And how do you make it an active scene? And you could see both of them kind of psyching themselves up to, to do the thing they wanted. And I, th- I thought it was really beautiful acting moments from both of them. I thought the lyrics were the clearest to me. It was the one time really where the lyrics became so much clearer to me in the film than it did just listening to the soundtrack. Uh, do you have any flats? The fucking flash mob and moving too fast. I don't, I don't understand it. And the fucking bed and couch. Uh, mm, the furniture. And again, I think that those are indicative of 
some of my critiques of this of this film of just we had to do stuff to make things work. So, do you have any other sharps, flats, anything nat- naturals? Summer in Ohio sequence is brilliant. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, okay, so do I agree with my former sharps and flats? Yes, but I want to amend my flat because okay. the last time I flatted the camera work in the next 10 minutes, specifically the gazebo, I want to broaden that a little bit more and just flat that they filmed on real locations and not sets because mm. then we get things like the furniture. We get that because that gazebo moment where they are literally in a gazebo and the camera is like whipping around them. But you oh yeah, I hate it. Like, I did not like that. You see, not the right width of their faces yeah, and yep, everything. Yep. And oh. I'm like, I'm like, we could have done it. I, I, it's a romantic moment. Could have done it elsewhere. Or. Mm-hmm. I always thought of them on on a boat. Am I making yes. that up? But I always, that, is, was that, that was how, how did it? that was how the second stage one was. Okay, where they get married on the boat, but like he's on the front half and she's in the back half. They meet, they do, they get married, and then he like sails off, and she ends the song. Um, Talking alone, doing her quote yes, unquote. and yeah. and like he starts the song on his half of the boat talking alone to her or whatever. And then and they come together. I believe oh, cool. that was the staging. I re- I do remember this boat you were talking about because I was going to... Okay, good. I, I was like, did I make up a boat? No. Um, but I do have some new sharps and flats. Yeah, um, hit me with them. My new... F- okay, so my new flat, really... We talked about costuming, but like it was mo- mostly the lighting that bothered me. Um, very overexposed, especially in the in the beginning. Yeah, and then or, very dark. But too, yeah. When 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 it's the the good times, it is very bright, very yeah, very exposed. And then when it's the sad, depressing times, it's all darker and blues and everything. And I'm just like, okay, I get it, I get it, I get it. But it's a it's, hat on a hat. Yeah, it's visual storytelling. But yes, um, and really, that was my new flat. I don't, uh, besides the some of the camera work and everything, like I couldn't really, I can't pick apart their performances because they're great. Um, I love the music. So my new sharps, I wrote down the stillness of some shots where mm. it is just them and they are trying so hard not to look down the barrel of the lens and everything. Um, I also sharped the long takes and most of the movements like they're like I said in um nobody needs to know when he's going through oh, so good. yeah yes it's weird because the furniture is not touching walls and everything but chore the choreography of all of that and like bringing people into shots and out of shots and everything into the frame and out of frame I loved and then also um, my last sharp is for the Ohio Summer Theater's Seasons. <laughs> Just because hit, they hit me with it. What, what were the seasons? Do you remember? No, but like some of the some of the choices, you're like Carousel and Company. Okay, uh, Porgy and Bess and, and Por- Fiddler on the Roof. Porgy and Bess, Fiddler on the Roof, West Side Story, and I believe Sound of Music was one yeah. season. I was like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> So, uh, 
DSPs, would you add any of the songs to your life's playlist from the movie version? Mm. I mean, I listen to this album all the time. I love this album. I um, I mostly favor Kathy's songs, though. I do mm. listen. I do listen to Jamie's songs too, as well. But there are days that I favor more of Kathy's. Mm, oh yeah. Oh, we all have Kathy days. I got you. We all have Kathy days. I don't really have Jamie days. But I have mostly Kathy days. I like to think I have early Jamie days. I, moving too fast is uh, when I'm when I'm feeling when I'm feeling myself. I I, I like singing that song. That, you know, that's a, that's a song where it's just you know if you feel like things are on an upswing, the sun's shining, and you know mm-hmm. I can I can I can take a shot at something and not have any fear. I I think it is a nice sentiment that gets stuck in my head that I I, I aspire to sometimes. But like, do you listen? To, you listen to this album? Fully. And I usually listen to and I usually listen to just Jamie's songs. Oh, you know what, D Speeds? Why don't you and I do Kathy and Jamie? Kathy, Maddie and Jamie. Maddie and Jamie. Yeah, let's do it. All right, who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna fund it? Oh, get a boy. get a Kickstarter going with your listeners. <laughs> I gotta stop dying. Um, <laughs> yeah, see, I had COVID last time we recorded, and now. I'm just making I'm... you laugh in the fits of coughing. How dare you? D speeds. Uh, I think we're done with the episode. We did it. That sounds good we to me. Uh, what do you have to plug or promote? A couple things I can't announce just yet, but keep uh, posted on. I have changed back my uh, my Instagram tag. Instead of Derek Speedy, it is now D speeds 23 again. Okay. I've, 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 been reborn back to my true self um but also derekpenspeedy.com um should hopefully have some fun announcements coming soon and if you i don't know if you want to actually fund d speeds and i to do the last five years as jamie and maddie looking for some angel investors absolutely always oh my god uh you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com i'm also on facebook instagram twitter at tiktok at buttersongpod um uh, how did you feel about this movie? I mean, you, we now have two episodes talking about it. How did we miss anything? And if and D Speeds, this is actually the end of this first series of Second Chance Theater. We we have more coming. Don't worry, everyone. Oh, thank it's God. just that uh, you know, every once in a while, I don't want to do this yeah. every other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta keep it gotta keep you on your toes keep so, it fresh keep it fresh and if you want to be part of next episode's conversation we're going to be talking about the 5,000 fingers of Dr. T <laughs> haven't seen it haven't had the pleasure yet Some somebody picked it and they wanted to talk about it and I went okay <laughs> can't wait to listen in me too D Speeds thank you so much for coming back on I know you're back for a couple more episodes in the future so be on the lookout for Derek Speedy, everyone. Woo! And bye for now. Bye-bye. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to CastBox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day. <laughs>